You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello, and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Gary West, and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with AIST. I'm joined by Irfan Ahmed, Product Lead for State Street Digital in Asia Pacific. And today we'll be discussing the key opportunities presented by digital assets, an update on where we are on the journey towards digitalizing our economy, how regulations are catching up, and the evolving role of the custodian. Irfan, thanks for joining. Thanks, Gary, and thanks for having me on today. Diving straight into the discussion, can you give us an overview of the opportunities that are being presented by digital assets? It's a great question and a great way to kick off the conversation. We see digitization opening a brand new set of opportunities for market participants across the board. Firstly, it's important to point out that digital assets go a lot wider than just crypto. We look at digital assets as a way of reimagining the financial infrastructure of today. Cryptocurrencies are a component of that, and so is tokenization. Underpinning all of this is blockchain technology and smart contracts. The conversation around blockchain technology and financial markets has mainly been centered around cryptocurrency and its rise as an asset class. We expect blockchain technology to cause a dramatic shift across all sectors of our industry, including asset owners and asset managers. For asset managers, this not only means incorporating new asset classes into portfolio models, but more importantly, it means taking advantage of blockchain to reduce costs in areas such as IT, labor, and compliance. Ultimately, the opportunities are the goodness that will come out from an infrastructure perspective, providing more security, more transparency, more efficiency, and more productivity to benefit the entire industry. Thanks, Irfan. It's interesting to hear you say the conversation around blockchain has been centered around cryptocurrency. So perhaps we can pick up on some of the lesser known use cases and how these are helping to shape digital infrastructure. So in the past, technological innovation in finance often meant developing new layers on top of old ones, creating a patchwork, if you will, of systems and processes. That won't be the case with blockchain, though, as it's an entirely new infrastructure, which is likely to occur as tokenization transforms traditional assets into digital ones. So the question is, what is tokenization? It's the ability to standardize and create a digital version of any kind of asset, whether that be a building, artwork, intellectual property, or anything that could conceivably have a value or a potential market. Anything can be represented on blockchain. And with that comes the ability to fractionalize it and make the asset more accessible to a broader range of investors. To give you a few examples of use cases in financial services, um, we can talk about fractionalization. As the name suggests, assets can be split into fractional amounts, which in turn lowers the barriers of investment and offers greater investor diversification and targeted portfolio construction. Data in and of itself can be stored and accessed securely on the blockchain, providing credible, immutable insights to investors or members of the, of the chain. Having a single shared book of records also brings with it a significant reduction in reconciliation that might take place up and down the investment lifecycle. Accredited investors will be able to access more private investments. Eventually, the market for private assets will be democratized and they will be easily accessible to a wide and diverse set of investors. So as you can see, the advantages of tokenization go beyond simply digitizing the asset itself. 
we see institutional investors across Asia Pacific, including Australia, exploring business use cases for digitizing assets. And regulators are keeping pace with this, bringing in new regulations, guidelines, which protect end investors whilst also encouraging innovation more broadly. That's a great segue into regulation and the role of the regulator. So how have regulators responded to developments in the digital economy? And from an institutional perspective, what do they need to consider when investing in this asset class? It's a great question, Gary. Um, it's, it's certainly an area our clients have been questioning and showing a lot of interest in. Looking back, Bitcoin began the crypto revolution back in 2008 uh, as a response to the global financial crisis and reliance on banks to execute financial transactions. As institutional investors' interest has swelled, questions around regulatory treatment of such assets become more prominent. Until recently, there's been a lack of regulatory transparency. In October last year, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, ASIC, released guidelines on crypto asset-related investment products. This was a significant step and provided clarity for issuers and market operators on how to bring crypto asset exchange-traded products to market. Since then, a number of crypto asset-related products have been launched and are available in Australia to uh, Australian retail investors. In March this year, the Australian Treasury issued a consultation paper for a proposed new regulatory framework for crypto asset secondary service providers, or CASPs, uh, and to seek feedback on defining the scope of services and categorizing crypto assets. In most other jurisdictions, regulators have approached crypto assets regulation by first trying to identify whether a crypto asset would be classified as a type of instrument that is already regulated, therefore bringing it into the regulatory framework that exists today. While nearly all regulators have determined that crypto assets are not currencies, there is still not much consensus beyond that. I'm interested to hear about some of the conversations that you're having with clients, and in particular, superannuation funds. How quickly will digital assets move more into the mainstream of a super funds portfolio holding? We see Australia at an inflection point. Institutional investors in particular are now getting up to speed with their obligations, whether that's regulatory, reporting on tax requirements, looking at the operational complexities of bringing these types of assets into their portfolios. And in terms of, in terms of that aspect, they're, they're looking at how effectively they can hold these assets alongside their traditional portfolio. At the same time, the regulatory clarity that has come through over the last six to 12 months has been positive, showing an increased openness to engage. So those two things together point to an increased maturity and willingness to move the conversation forward. So super funds are now starting to look at digital assets, but how long do you think it will be before they're comfortable investing members' retirement savings in them, and particularly in crypto assets? So that's an important distinction to make. Um, so superannuation funds' interest in cryptocurrencies and that of the promise of tokenized assets might bring to otherwise illiquid assets, including real estate and private equity, are, are two different things. The World Economic Forum indicated in a prediction made several years ago now that the market for tokenized instruments would be in the region of about $24 trillion by the year 2027. Given that we're only five years away from that prediction and we've begun to see policy change as well as market infrastructure developments, there's a need for supers to keep an eye towards the future, whilst, of course, ensuring that they maintain an appropriate line of sight on the risk-weighted opportunities that crypto assets might provide. Ultimately, crypto assets are seen by many to be a largely speculative asset class. And as such, any investment into this space needs careful consideration that takes into account investors' preference for risk mitigation and the potential for return. There's certainly a lot to consider here. 
and keeping on top of these changes will be a task for many. Shifting now into your role as a custodian and how that is changing as we moved into the future, how do you safe keep a digital asset? I guess a good starting point would be defining what custody of a digital asset actually is. Essentially, the concept of digital asset custody relates to the safekeeping of a private key. And private keys are are encrypted digital code and are used to store and manage and transfer ownership of the digital asset. So the technology used to control and manage these private keys is really important and what we refer to as digital custody. Now, looking at the role of the custodian in this context, I think there are a few important considerations and developments taking place. The custodian industry today has been shaped by regulatory developments created over decades. We see paper securities moving to electronic securities and then other developments, including central securities depositories or CSDs. This enabled investors to access assets through the use of intermediaries. Through the introduction of digital assets, we are seeing greater levels of decentralization with peer-to-peer exchange of value. Now, the impact of all this change is requiring State Street and other global custodians to reimagine the meaning of custody and essentially what the role of the custodian will be in this context. So what needs to be considered? Firstly, how do you segregate assets from proprietary assets and achieve this through the use of private keys? Asset owners in particular will have to ensure that their custodians can manage effective control over these assets through ensuring that nobody has access to those private cryptographic keys and control the digital assets. Also, with the use of DLT or distributed ledger technology uh, that utilize digital wallets, what will replace securities accounts and jurisdictions that require you to book transactions into an account to transfer ownership? At State Street, we've partnered with key fintech firms to support our clients' growth ambitions. As an example of that, we've entered into a licensing agreement with a company called Copper.co, a software provider of digital asset custody and trading infrastructure. By doing this, we're able to deliver a digital solution, as well as looking at the additional layer of integration and protection for our clients that they have come to know with traditional custody. Clients have come to expect an increased speed and velocity of moving data and assets around And we are happy to be at the forefront of that change and solutioning to to those rapidly changing needs. There's certainly some momentum building here. Before we finish up, I wonder whether we can take everything we spoke about today and summarize that into what this means for markets, assets, and money in the future. What I would say is that we have a long-standing belief that the rapid technological developments that are emerging across our industry are affording us the opportunity to reimagine the financial infrastructure of tomorrow. And this in turn provides a huge opportunity for all market participants. For markets, we observe the potential around an offering for synchronized and standard offerings, which would improve the efficacy and efficiency of markets. For assets, this will broaden and diversify the offerings and clients and create a new paradigm for portfolio construction. For money, those concepts of central bank digital currency move into the real world the ability to settle tokenized assets in real time will become a reality, an untrapped liquidity that was previously tied into T plus two settlement cycles. The convergence of technology and regulation and the way in which we bridge the divide between the old and new will help define what financial market infrastructure of tomorrow will look like. We are very bullish about the future and we're excited to be bringing our clients on the journey with us. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Irfan Ahmed of State Street. For more episodes of Supertalk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.